Are you a scaling SaaS founder? Ready to make the leap from leading a team to leading an organization? Join us each week as we refill your think tank with actionable tips and strategies from great business minds you know and those you don't know yet. This is SaaS Fuel with your host, five-time entrepreneur, SaaS founder, and globetrotting adventurer, Jeff Maines. Welcome back to the SaaS Fuel podcast, where every small victory is like a scene from It's a Wonderful Life. A reminder of how each action creates a ripple of positive impact. I'm your host, Jeff Maines. I'm B2B SaaS founders like you scale from seven figures, which is good, to eight and nine figures, which is outstanding. Together, we supercharge revenue growth, create premium valuation, and craft the business you're proud of and a life of impact and freedom that you love. Today is a really special day and definitely memorable day for my wife and me. It's our anniversary. And today is actually a big one too. 30 years. Think about that. Three zero. That's a long time. It's definitely a long time to put up with me. And you know, back then, that was a big, big decision built on top of lots of other small decisions. And that in alone is a wild story of twists and turns, near misses, and, and a whole lot more. But each decision, each moment, each encounter, all moving us closer and closer. And finally, to the big day 30 years ago today. And you know, here we are years later. And that in itself is another wild story with lots more twists and turns. And it truly is a wonderful life. So happy anniversary, love. Yeah, It's true in marriage, it's true in life, and it's true in business that every decision we make sends out ripples. And some of those create a wave of positive impact far beyond what we might initially see. And in a world that is obsessed with instant gratification, I call it, you know, the microwave society, rapid results, it's easy to overlook the power of consistent, steady action. When I think about consistency, one company really stands out. And if you have kids, you know them well. And that's Lego. It's a brand that has become synonymous with creativity and perseverance. I mean, true perseverance, you know, if you, you just get this box of stuff, and if, if it's new, you get instructions. If it's used, good luck. But you're trying to make what's on the box. And, you know, the perseverance that that takes, step by step by step, to take all these little things and turn it into something like that. And you know, it's a process for sure. And the company, too, they weren't built overnight. It was the consistent effort, brick by brick, year after year, that created an absolute legacy. And lots of companies have tried to imitate what they do, and nobody has come close to that kind of success. And what's really interesting is that other companies in their industry over the last few years have had double-digit revenue declines. And while that's going on, Lego, legacy company, grew 15%, 17%. And, and that just is amazing to me to think about that, that they are continuing to grow even when their peers are falling behind. But Lego's impact isn't just in the toys they've sold, but the generations of imaginations that they've sparked. And depending on where you are in the, the age group, you probably grew up with Legos as well. Now, I had the, the fake Legos because we couldn't afford the real ones. I always wanted Legos. And uh, so it was, you know, one of those things that I think is really interesting over time, just the, the creativity. Uh, and, you know, learn that a lot through building things uh, in all sorts of different ways. How can we apply this philosophy to our endeavors in building a cool SaaS company like that, like Legos? 
I think first we want to understand the long game. And it's not necessarily a popular topic these days. Success isn't always a fireworks display. Sometimes it's a sunrise. It's slow. It's steady. Each action, whether it's a client meeting, a product tweak, a team training session, every single one of those is a step toward a larger goal. And the impact of those actions might not be immediately apparent, but they accumulate over time and build a foundation for long-term success. Second, I think it's really important that we trust the process. You know, who wants a quick win? I mean, I do. We all do. But there isn't a hack, a playbook, a cheat code for everything. And often the most worthy goals take time, dedication, and taking big action over and over and over and over again and just doing the things, just doing the thing, right? Over and over and over again. Winning comes from focusing on the right activities and trusting the process, even when the applause isn't immediate. And that can be really hard to do, but it's about believing in the power of your actions, knowing that each one of those contributes to a broader impact, be it on your business, your community, or the industry at large. The same thing is true in your, your family, your marriage. You know, those, those simple actions just done over and over and over again build over time. It's like deposits in a bank account. It builds. And number three, consistency wins. This one I think is my favorite. The magic ingredient in the recipe for a lasting impact is consistency. It's about showing up day in, day out, committed to your vision and your values. It's doing it when you feel like it and when you don't and when you win and when you lose and when things are going really well and when things really suck. Consistency wins always. The steadfast dedication is what ultimately creates ripples that turn into waves, shaping outcomes, influencing others, and leaving a lasting mark. You know, I say it all the time. The mark of a champion is consistency. Remember, every action, no matter how small, has the potential to create ripples of change. And the results may not always be instant. I wish they always were. But with consistency and faith in the journey, the positive impact you make can be absolutely monumental. It's, it's massive over time. So here's to the champions who understand the power of perseverance and the art of the long game. Our expert last week was AJ Wilcox from B2Linked.com. AJ demystified LinkedIn ads and talked about how you can use that as a starting point to show up everywhere. Had somebody tell me the other day, it's like, I see you everywhere. I'm like, yes, that's exactly what I want. Yeah, you know, my favorite was the default ad settings that will kill your campaign effectiveness. Oh my gosh, that was absolute gold. And our founder last Tuesday was Alex Boyd, who's the founder of Aware, which is a LinkedIn commenting tool, which is really cool, and Revenue Zen, a B2B growth agency. And we talked about product pivots, building smart, and my favorite moment, the difference between building a SaaS solution that's useful and one that is cool. Such great advice and an amazing distinction, not just building cool stuff, but really useful and there is a big difference. If you missed either of those episodes, go back and give them a listen. My guest today is Jonathan Field, CEO and co-founder of Assembly. It's an intranet solution focused on communication, employee engagement, and powered with AI. Welcome a non-traditional founder and CEO, Jonathan 
Fields. Hey, Jonathan, welcome to SaaS Fuel. Thanks for having me. What a pleasure to be here. Well, tell me a little bit about your background and what led you to co-found Assembly. Yeah. So my name is Jonathan. Uh, I'm the CEO and co-founder of Assembly. And before that, just to go way back, I was originally an investment banker. Uh, did it for, you know, I thought the buying companies, raising money was sexy. I did it for less than a year. Didn't make it very long, to be honest. <laughs> I actually wanted to go to a bigger firm, but I stumbled on accident onto a really small startup called ZipRecruiter. And now everyone's heard of the name because they're on 99 of the top 100 podcasts and because they're, you know, a massive jobs company. But at the time, there were 15 people. It was super small. And truthfully, when I joined the company, all the things about the culture that I absolutely hated, nobody was happy in investment banking. But when I joined ZipRecruiter, there was like kombucha on tap and healthy food snacks and career progression and an emphasis on culture, collaboration, uh, access to mentorship, like all these things were wildly different than what I was exposed to. And I became obsessed with culture, just simply put. I got a lot of exposure in business, learning how to grow a company as I saw it grow from, you know, 10, 15 people to north of a thousand. You get to learn a lot. Wow. But all throughout that time, the emphasis on culture was so dear to my heart. I was like, why can't every company do this? And obviously, a lot of things that aren't scalable, you know, with human capital can be scalable with technology. Right. So a lot of things that they were doing could be actually put into technology, could be automated. And so a lot of the learnings I had there were the beginnings of what caused us to create assembly. So that's kind of the genesis of why I did it. I wanted everyone without the, the human capital or the financial capital resources to build a productive, communicative culture inside of your organization. That is really, really cool. And so how does assembly make that happen? Yeah. So assembly is your centralized communication hub for an organization. So it's just the place where you can either start your day or go to it throughout the day. Company announcements are posted on the website. It'll be at the top of the feed. It could also be distributed to all of your tools, to Slack or Microsoft Teams or email or text message, or we can even distribute it anywhere you want. We'll tell you who saw it, who didn't see it. So a really good place to distribute important information to get eyeballs on those things. It's also a place to find information. And so we can connect to your G Drive, your OneDrive, your Dropbox, your SharePoint, your Box, wherever you're storing information, or you could even upload in assembly directly. And we help you find the information with AI. It's just the, the way you used to find information is now different. It's going to take people a while to get there, but it is not the same as it once was. You can literally ask a question and get the answer in a second versus going into a folder, into a folder, into a folder, only to not <laughs> find the thing you're looking for. And then additionally, assembly also helps with uh, culture. And that's a big piece of why people keep coming back. It's not just, I want to see an announcement. It's the collaboration between coworkers, the camaraderie. And so we promote cultures filled with recognition. You can run anonymous suggestion boxes. You can run impactful surveys and automate the recurrence of them. You can even create Facebook-like social feeds to highlight the favorite company moments or even just bond with coworkers about pets, you know, whatever it might be. But the more interactivity between employees, obviously the higher engagement you get when you do want to post an announcement that has to be seen, or you want to run a survey and you want the results, you know, the more people are in the platform, 
the higher the participation results are across the board. And that's kind of our thesis. Yeah, I like that. Well, employee engagement is a super hot topic these days. And, you know, so is it really, let me ask this question, I'd get it for way. Three, two. Employee engagement is a really hot topic these days. And does Assembly do that and get people engaged? Is it through interest? Is it through what types of discussions? How do you create that community within the organization? Yeah. What we've learned is there are different types of people at organizations. You have introverts, you have extroverts, you have millennial, Gen Z, you have baby boomers, you have a back office accountant who has six cats. I mean, there are just different types of people. And the truth is a one size fits all doesn't work. It just doesn't. So if you only have one way for people to engage with one another, you're going to capture a lot of your audience, but not everybody. And so Assembly is very versatile in the fact that we have dozens and dozens of culture templates. We can get most of people participating by a peer-to-peer, top-down, bottoms-up recognition program. But then you might need a social channel, or you might need a contest, or you might need some random community group, a book club, where it could be a recurring meeting that sparked through the program that gets like, let's talk about the chapter we read this week or this month, whatever it might be. But having those different lines of communication available to employees is a way to capture your entire audience in this single platform. I like that. So how do you do recognition and rewards? I think it's something a lot of companies want to do and kind of do manually, sort of, kind of, not really great. How do you make that a fantastic experience where the recognition and rewards really do positively impact culture and drive behavior? Yeah, it's a simple truth, especially in today's world where turnover is higher than it ever has been. Yeah. Where if you go above and beyond, let's say you help a coworker, you stay up late, you get the presentation out before the mid- midnight deadline, and you just, you know, you gave up your own plans to help someone. If you don't get appreciated or any acknowledgement for going above and beyond, what are the chances you do it again? And so with assembly, we make it really easy for any employee at any time to take five seconds, tag a coworker, write a meaningful message, apply a core value to it. And we can gamify it if you want to by having a point system where coworkers are allocated a certain amount of points per month that they can only give away with recognition. Ah, And so if you incentivize and gamify recognition, participation becomes prolific. And so we've done a really good job handling the notifications, the prompts to encourage people to do these things. And we make it so that you can do them where you want to. You can give recognition in Slack, in Teams, on our platform, via mobile. I mean, we just make it really easily accessible for all different types of workers. That is really cool. I I like that, especially that you can do it multi-platform so it's not all tied into one. It's really, really smart. So other integrations, you mentioned Slack, um, Google Apps. What other integrations do you have and how do those fit together? Yeah, so on the document storage side, uh, so we can play well with all the like chat tools that you're using. Most people are on either Microsoft Teams or Slack. They own the majority of the market between the two of them. So that covers a huge... There's some companies on Cisco, but the majority of them are on uh, you know, Microsoft Teams or Slack. Uh, the document storage, once again, almost everybody is using one form of like Google Drive or Microsoft products or either SharePoint or OneDrive. There are some companies who use like a box or Dropbox, but the majority of them, you, know, you get it with the email system. So uh, pretty high concentration once again. So we connect right. there. 
And if you already have the permissions built, so let's say HR department can see these docs and the whole team can see the, you know, employee handbook and maybe just the marketing team gets the marketing assets. When we connect into those document storage tools, we hold the same permissions that those tools already have. Uh, that's nice. So if you wanted to search something and only HR has access, if you're a regular employee, you cannot see it. If you're on the marketing team and you search for the marketing assets, you get access to it. Um, but I'll tell you, one of the best things about it is the old way of finding information. You have to go into the folder, know where it is, or know right. the key title of the doc, and that's how you find something. In today's world, if you wanted to find what is my PTO policy, or if you're asking your head of IT, I can't do my single sign-on, how does this work? You can literally just ask assembly the question. We have access to all your documents or the frequently asked questions, and it'll just give you the answer. You don't need to know where anything is stored. And so we're seeing savings of hundreds of hours per month by queries being answered instantly by technology rather than human capital. Just very efficient, not only for the employee, but for the leadership team, whoever generally answers these questions. Oh, absolutely. Uh, that, that would be uh, an absolute dream as we've got stuff scattered everywhere, I mean, just like every other company. If you've been in business very long at all, there are things scattered in directories and on, on drives and, and, and all over in different places. And it, it made sense at the time wherever it ended up. But then when you're looking for it, for whatever reason, uh, that place doesn't make sense anymore. It's hard to find, or it is, it's multiple layers deep buried in directories. That's right. Yeah. So the, the concept to dive deeper, which is very controversial, I say the statement and people are like, you're wrong. <laughs> Folders are close to being dead. Not that you can't organize information, you should, and we have the ability to create folders inside of assembly and we call them even collections where you can put more things inside of a, a folder than a standard folder. You can put documents and video links and training material, people information, you could put posts, you could put links, whatever you want. But the concept of having to create a folder and having to organize is now becoming replaced with the AI technology that just makes work more efficient. You don't have to know where it is. You can just find the answer. The AI technology understands context. It's just a better way to do things. Yeah. And that's what we want anyway. We just want the answer. We don't, we don't really even care where it is. We just need what we need and we need it now. That's right. Just uh, be more efficient. That. Everybody wants time back in their day. Yeah. Yeah. Get those instant answers. Well, the, the way that you came about assembly, I mean, you experienced culture that wasn't great. You experienced culture that was great and then put that into a, a platform. Was it something that you launched and immediately had huge adoption and everybody bought into the idea? Or did that take some time to kind of find product market fit? Yeah, I would say I took a non-traditional approach that I maybe don't recommend to everyone. <laughs> uh, there's risk and there's calculated risk. And... Uh, I was at a company called ZipRecruiter, along with actually one other co-founder, and then my other co-founders were at Honey, which was the company that got acquired oh, sure. by PayPal for four billion. I knew what was about to happen. ZipRecruiter IPO'd, Honey got bought by PayPal, and at the time, you know, we were building this nights and weekends, but we knew what was happening. So, like, the reality is, you just can't leave when an event like a, a life-changing event like that is going to happen. Right. So we literally built this nights and weekends, and we couldn't build all the things that we have today, it's just impossible. So you ask about the recognition and rewards. We're very robust in that category because that's the first vertical we just chose to tackle. And we crushed it right out of the gate. We didn't have that many customers, but I will tell you the ones who adopted it had almost 100% participation amongst their employee base on a monthly basis. 
Wow. People were using it very, very heavily. And that heavy adoption and the extremely high retention rate, despite not having contracts at that time, uh, we do have contracts now, but at the time it was just like, just sign up, wow. please. I beg you, you know, um, <laughs> you gotta get the first customer in the door somehow. Sure. But once that happened, um, a couple of VCs found out about it and they're like, we'll invest in you. I don't care if you're full time or not, which if I was an investor, I would not invest in someone who wasn't full time because having not been full time and full time, if you look at the metrics of our business, you know, it was growing, but slowly in the second we went full time. We just got a vertical escalation in our growth trajectory. So um, I would say, no, it wasn't a rocket ship at first, but we have been growing every month since we started this organization uh, many years ago. That's fantastic. And with a product like what you have, the sales are going to happen at a higher level. It's going to be an executive decision, and then it's going to roll out to the company. So the buyer is not necessarily the end user. You know, same thing. Slack yeah. would be an example of that, or SharePoint. Uh, you know, lots of training systems or HR systems. You know, somebody makes a decision and says, "Here, here it is." CRM. It's probably a good one. We're going to buy this, and everybody's going to use it. And CRM adoption you know, varies, I'll say, from from really That's terrible right. to some that are really good. How do you get those users engaged, uh, where they're actually using the platform? The company is seeing benefit quickly. Yeah, that's one of the most insightful questions I've been asked because if you've been a part of growing a business, if you can align the buyer and the user, a lot of the hurdles that all the types of companies you mentioned just just go away. And that's one of the one of the hardest pieces here. It's like you're right. The buyer and the user are not the same. Right. And the truth is, they're very not aligned. That's what we've <laughs> actually not. The buyer, their buyer cares so much about reporting. I want to be able to analyze every little piece here, there, everywhere in some of the most ridiculous ways. And the truth is, if there's no engagement, what's the difference? Right. And so we took a very controversial approach in the beginning where we really only focused on the user, which probably hurt our sales in the beginning. But now in terms of retention and usage, our usage is probably like 5x the next competitor because we focused primarily on the user first. And just wasn't satisfying the buyers to begin with. But there was so much usage that you couldn't turn it off. And so we really did most of our surveys on the user. Um, We looked more at the stats than the anecdotal opinions of our actual buyer in the beginning. So it, it was difficult. It's a really difficult challenge to listen more towards the person who doesn't have the capital and who doesn't control the contract of the business. Um, but it's panned out for us and we can see that in terms of our usage. That's really good. I mean, it makes it really sticky inside so that if somebody up high said, we're not going to do this anymore, then there would be uh, an uproar because they, they're really That's right. engaged. And sometimes in the that platform. is, it's happened. Yeah. Yeah. We've had companies who, uh, leave or they get acquired for example. And when the employees don't have it anymore, they, they freak out. And what ends up happening, it's happened many times, is the larger company ends up contracting with us. Uh, they're <laughs> like, great. they ditch their current solution, go with us. Um, and it's, it's happened over and over again, which is awesome. That's good. Yeah, I think so many companies don't think about it at that level. They're not really focused on the user experience. It's really, what do we need to do to sell this thing? And, and then you know, let them figure out how to implement it and, and kind of shove it down the, to the, the user level. 
and forced use instead of the users adopting it, loving it, and, and making it a great experience for them so that it, it really does benefit the company overall. It's really, really smart to do that. Yeah, I mean, some of the companies you mentioned, like Slack, I would say, is the bottoms-up communication tool, which you would have thought yeah. would be impossible. But what ended up happening is engineers or product people started using it, and then the whole company starts adopting it. It's an easy way to communicate. They just crushed it that way. Right. So if you can get the internal champions that are not necessarily the buyer, it's much easier to uh, get the adoption of the entire organization. So what does the scaling journey look like? Yeah, is it uh, I mean, constant growth since then, but how have you scaled? And now you're up to I mean, thousands and thousands of customers. Yeah. So the way it worked, we have an early employee base who was just those recognition rewards companies. We have a middle base, which was more of like a comprehensive culture suite. So doing surveys and feedback forms and social channels and recognition and contests and uh, even lightweight performance management, like a one-on-one or basic feedback. Um, but this whole new chapter we've opened up with the concept of an intranet. And this is where our product always was destined to go, where it's the centralized hub for communication, structured communication. Mm. So like you can slack someone for instant communication, right? but you're not getting responses back in a feed format that you request. You're not getting analytics. You're not getting understanding or trend lines. So we're a much more structured communication platform. So now we have company announcements. We can send it to Slack and Teams and mobile. You could send it to a department or location or title. And then we'll tell you who saw the post, who didn't see the post. We'll give you analytics and insights. It's the, the black box of what happens after you press send. But the real biggest um, step function increase for us was to increase the value that it delivered to organizations. And so the culture suite has, in my opinion, employee engagement, as you were describing, it's a hot topic. Yes. But it... In terms of an executive um, budgetary process at the end of the year, you think, what do I have to do? Well, I have to grow revenue. I have to optimize costs. Employee engagement, unfortunately, falls sometimes in that uh, priority list. And so one of the questions was, how do we move up in that priority list? How do we move up? We're never going to be the payroll system or the employee, uh, you know, we're not going to be insurance as high up in the priority stack, but how do we get somewhere between employee engagement and payroll? And so when you move into communications, you have to be informed of what's happening at an organization. Yeah. So information sharing is definitely more on that second tier of priority list and not only delivering information in an effective way, but the AI functionality that we've added has allowed us to step function, not only increase the size of the deals, but increase the price per seat. Also, AI is very expensive to utilize. Every time someone queries something, it actually costs money. So sure. naturally, product has to grow in price as well. So um, the types of companies we're able to sell to have expanded. Uh, the price point has expanded and the size of the companies have expanded. You don't generally need an internal communications tool until you're at a minimum, let's say, you know, 75 or 100 people. You know, a 12-person company generally doesn't need an intranet. Right. Right. They just yell across the office or Slack. Yeah, but once you, right. you do yeah, hit critical quick. mass, it's it's a completely different yeah. game. That's right. If you want some encouragement to be consistent and travel with other people on your SaaS journey, well, check out Champion Leadership Group. It is the ultimate resource for SaaS founders and C-suite executives to continue to develop themselves, scale their companies, and never walk alone on the journey. 
supercharge revenue by leveraging our time-tested SaaS growth principles, toolkits, playbooks, and frameworks designed to help you scale ARR from seven to eight to nine figures. And we do those things consistently. It's the right process, consistency over time. So collaborate with an elite network of SaaS visionaries as we up-level ourselves, our teams, and have some fun along the way. Confidently take that right next step that turns into a quantum leap of profitable growth, premium valuation, and freedom. You can learn more at championleadership.com. So let's say you're pitching assembly to a skeptical CEO who thinks that employee engagement is just a buzzword. What is a compelling argument to change their mind and make them think differently about uh, employee engagement? So there are some hard stats and some soft stats. Some hard stats that we can actually point to because Assembly has a survey platform built inside of the program. Hmm. You can launch a survey pre-launching all the Assembly features and functionality, like an EMPS, a very simple survey. On a scale of 1 to 10, how happy are your employees and why? Let's say you get a six and a half, probably in today's world, a little bit you know closer to average. And then let's say you launch assembly and coworkers start interacting with one another. They start feeling appreciated. They start finding information faster. And you run another survey in let's say nine to 12 months and the six and a half turn into a 10 or let's say a nine or even an eight. Hmm. And what we can also track because we connect your HRIS system, has retention gone up? You can actually see if we get the data, if they're willing to give us the data beforehand, what was my retention looking like on a month over month basis? And you can obviously track the averages. And what does it look like now? And if there is a meaningful bump, which when we get that data, there almost always is a meaningful bump. It's very quantifiable. So is employee engagement softer and harder to quantify? Yes, absolutely. But it's a no brainer that you should be doing it. And as I talked about with employee recognition, if you're not getting appreciated for your hard work, you are looking for other jobs in today's world. Absolutely. Yeah. On the internet side, on the internet side of the world, the data is actually really easy to quantify. If an average employee searches for, let's say, 10 documents a day or 10 pieces of information, and each piece of information takes two to five minutes to find, which is not that far off of like a true stat. When you look at some of the, uh, the basic polls and surveys and just, uh, you know, what is available in the market today, if we can save of that five minute search, if we can save four minutes and 45 seconds of five minutes, every time you go to search, every time you search, we can say, this is the time saving. And if you can take all the time savings and you can multiply by your average salary at the organization, we could be saving companies high tens of thousands per month. So if our software costs you $2,000 a month, but we're saving you $45,000 a month, it is a no brainer. Yes. If you value time, you should value technology and efficiency. That one's hard to fight against. Yeah, that is really compelling. So what are some other ways that you measure the success of assembly in terms of in, in improving employee engagement and overall culture? I mean, is retention, I mean, obviously that is part of it, but are there other ways that you measure success? Yeah, people measure it all in different ways. Of course, I think the most common one is retention. Uh, that's probably the easiest one to look at. That's very quantifiable. Are we doing better with retention? If we had a retention problem, are we getting better? Yeah. Uh, but what I personally like is just participation. If you're an engagement platform, if you're an intranet, but nobody's using it, you're a failure. And that's the problem with legacy intranets. It's just a very top-down announcement portal to push out information or very clunky document search. It just sucks. 
Like the concept of what everyone has of an internet is not what we look like. We're much more Facebook looking, a social feed, than your SharePoint, for example, which is just a couple of tiles put on a screen that is expected to be what people want to see. It's like if you can imagine, uh, you know, think about the New York Times of old, which of course gets tons of views. But if you think about New York Times versus Google, which curates with AI information, what is relevant to you that you should be wanting to see? It is not a compare. It's not even the same conversation of what is more popular. And that's the way assembly works. We have an AI relevance feed that showcases the right information to the right people at the right time. So when they come in, they're seeing things that are relevant to them. There's an announcement from your manager, top and you know, top and center of your platform. If you got recognized, it's blasting you. If you got a birthday or anniversary celebration, or you've got a little reward, all of that is front and center. If you have a survey to run, they'll prompt you to participate in that survey. We just make it so you can get in, get out, and find the thing you're looking for faster. And so one of the things I like to look at is just participation rates. The most simplest metric in the world, are people actively logging in and using it on a weekly basis? A lot of these companies measure monthly because we have so much activity in the platform, we try to measure weekly. And if that number is high, you definitely have engagement happening at your organization because there's only positive things happening in this platform. There's no like negativity happening. There's social channels, information finding, uh, you know, announcement sharing or communication between coworkers, which has positive benefits. So I think just utility and usage is just the easiest measure uh, to quantify. Yeah. So what mistakes have you seen companies make when they're trying to implement or improve employee engagement? And how does assembly help them avoid that? Yeah, there are things that we cannot control. Sure. If your leadership team is not bought in. So we have some groups where like an HR admin or comms is so bought in. But the, the executive suite has a very different mentality. They're just like, I just want people to work and nothing else. That mentality stems into the culture. And generally those cultures have the lowest EMPS scores when you talk to them. Where when we have founders that are, I want a culture filled with transparency, open communication, appreciation, open lines of feedback, all of this stuff, the participation metrics are off the charts every time. We can, however, help those companies by making it so that the leadership team doesn't have to. We have more of that bottoms up communication with that uh, feedback forms, with the recognition, with uh, participation and announcements coming not just from leadership, but from manager and department leads down. And obviously, if you can find information faster, it makes employees happy. They're more efficient. Sure. So regardless of executive buy-in, our software can really help there. But I would say if there was one hurdle that we come across, it is a, in my opinion, a backwards leadership mentality. And what does a backwards leadership mentality look like? A siloed communication structure where only a handful of people have access to information. A culture where appreciation is not part of daily life or even weekly or monthly life where you're just expected to do your job. Um, A company that is adverse to technology. I mean, there's a lot of companies that uh, look to us for a digital transformation that are still in the stone age. And while the whole world is advancing around you, if you're staying stagnant, there's nothing good that comes from stagnation. Yeah, that's right. So, you know, 
I have pretty strong views upon it, especially as I'm a technologist uh, and the CEO of an internet company utilizing AI. So I'm a little bit biased myself. <laughs> well, I think the, the companies that don't embrace technology, that don't embrace culture and employee engagement, we're seeing employee engagement rates, I mean, drop across the board. So when you find something like that, just like your experience, you know, you knew what you didn't want and you knew what you did want. And just the, that, that stark contrast. And I think employees are seeing that when they go somewhere else and like, wow, life can really be like this. Those are the companies right. that are going to continue to thrive and grow. And those other ones, they're going to be dinosaurs. Yeah. And there's a whole other challenge at work today that maybe wasn't present a few years back, which is remote work and hybrid work. Yeah. You know, when we started, almost every company we worked with was in office. And of course, there might be different locations, which we can help solve the communication silos of different locations. But now the majority of the companies we talk to are either fully remote or hybrid. Uh, it's almost rare today you see a company that's entirely in office. Right. But I will tell you, I'm a, I would say I'm a student of the research coming from the post-COVID results. And being by yourself, loneliness, contributes to a shorter lifespan, depression, suicidal thoughts. I mean, the... There's no benefit to being by yourself in life. You know, there's just right. so much advantages to actually being with people. And so we are a communications tool, a structured communications tool. And we really hope to help. We can't force people in office. In fact, we're a hybrid, you know, office ourselves. But we want to do everything we can to make sure the camaraderie, collaboration, and bonding between coworkers is visible, apparent, and happening on a frequent basis. But yeah, remote work is a really interesting topic. I mean, we can talk about this one for hours. I mean, it's not necessarily exactly what I do, but uh, you know, I love the topic, and it's really interesting as new results keep coming out. Yeah, it is fascinating. And, and you're right. Almost every company now is, at the very least, hybrid, and a lot more have gone to you know more and more remote work. And it opens up the entire world as a possibility for places to live, places to source talent from. And so all the more reason to have ways to engage and to, to connect with other people. Yeah. Could agree more. Yeah. Well, we know that, I mean, a lot of growth for Assembly done really, really well. No journey is always up and to the right. What have been the challenges in building the company? Or maybe you're an anomaly and it is always up and to the right and everything's fantastic. <laughs> no, 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 no. Of course not. My co-founder actually can post about this. My, my co-founder sent me this um, like infographic that I thought was absolutely hilarious because it defines a startup so well. Essentially think about like a yarn ball. And, uh, you know, if you straight lined averaged our growth looks like this, you know, it's up and growing, yeah. you can get that little hockey stick curve. But if you really actually, you know, peeled back the, the onion, one layer, two layers of the onion, the yarn ball is really more like a circle, zigzag, <laughs> up, down, backwards. And it just, I love that. like it, oh, oh, it, it's, I'd say it's a painful journey, but you have to have a stomach for the good and the bad because in a startup world, the deviations between amazing and terrible fluctuate, you know, could be on a half hour basis. Right. So if you're looking for consistency, a startup is not, is not for you. Um, there's been a lot of hurdles, you know, one of the ones which you brought up, which I found so insightful is how do you align the buyer and the user when they're just not the same like a buyer in hr or comms does not truly know the wants of all the people because actions just speak differently than some of the desires and the feature requests that we get right 
Um, another one is having a tool that is pretty broad. You know, there are all these specialty tools and some of them are the best at that one thing. But then does distribution and a platform win in the end? It's like, is Slack better than Microsoft Teams, for example? I'll stay unbiased because we work very well with both of them, but you talk to people on Slack and people just love Slack. You talk to people who are using Teams, and they're like, well, you know, it came with Microsoft, it allows me to chat, and I, <laughs> I like it. Yeah, that's the but if you look at the chart between, if you look yeah. at Slack and Teams, Slack was just, I mean, still on an outrageous growth curve. Yes. But if you look at the Teams growth curve, it's ridiculous in comparison to a ridiculous growth curve. I mean, it went vertical. Like if Slack was doing this, Teams yeah. went like just straight up because they included it in the bundle and they have unbelievable powers of distribution. And so it is a difficult thing unless you have the distribution like Microsoft. If you build a platform, it's difficult because all these people have these specific purpose-built one-off solutions. Yeah. And that was a challenge for us. It's like we're, we do many things well. But some companies do one thing extraordinarily well. So, you know, those are some of the hurdles we've had to overcome and are still overcoming. Um, and just over time, we are getting better at each individual thing. But if you build a horizontal platform versus like a vertical or point solution, you know, you just have a different scope of work and a different way of looking at the world. Uh, Parker Conrad actually is like, uh, he was the uh, CEO of Zenefits that got ousted and then uh, started rippling. Right. That's what and we use. I, yeah. So <laughs> I watched the Y Combinator pitch when he did uh, Zenefits, and I was so mind blown back in the day. He said, I'm going to disrupt everyone who's doing, you know, onboarding. Like essentially I'm going to, I'm going to give away an HRIS system for free. So it's like so ridiculously competitive because everyone's paying six, nine bucks a head for this HRIS system. He's like, I'm going to give it away for free. All you need to do is convert your broker of record, your insurance broker from Joe Schmo to me. No brainer. And the company went from zero to 5 billion in valuation, like the fastest growth I've ever seen. Obviously there were issues with the company, the, the model might not have worked and some of the transition plans didn't happen as expected. Sure. But his pitch when he went to Rippling as a second time, I don't know, it might be a third time founder, but on the second endeavor, which is a similar concept, except this time he said, I'm not going to do a few things. I'm going to do everything. And I'm going to raise a ridiculous amount of money and do everything extraordinarily well. I'm not just going to build one thing and then grow organically like every other company does. I'm going to do it all at once and I'm going to do it extremely well. And it turns out that model is wildly powerful. And especially when combined with execution, just absolutely crushed it. It's like Rippling took the world by storm where they're just, right. you know, aggregating, aggregating all this business. And they have so many different segments that they can sell into where the seven, nine, twelve dollar price per head on a regular HRIS system, they're pushing the bounds and getting towards a hundred bucks because you can do everything you need to do from an HR and IT and security landscape all in one place. So doing all things at once, you know, can be extraordinarily powerful and effective. If you have one tool instead of seven tools, it just shows it can be done if executed properly. Yeah. Execution is is really the the key there. We've seen some companies try and do that, and, and money can't buy execution. But you get a, a story like that, and and you have both. So it it was not a cheap solution to build, but very very well executed, very well rolled out. And there's they're continuing to add. I mean, it's like yeah, every time yeah, I turn around, there's some some new solutions or some new 
uh, integration. There's something new happening with the platform. And it's just like, why I couldn't go anywhere else if I wanted to, because it just does right. everything. Mm -hmm. Yep. The Microsoft effect and it works. Yeah. Yeah. So how does that work in, in thinking about building a platform? Do you think that is the, the future as platforms or do you think vertical SaaS or depends on the industry? You know, when everyone thought about AI and disruption, everyone was like, it's going to go after manual labor. And of course, like if you go back in time, the industrial revolution, you create machines that can do things that humans can do. You know, people did lose jobs, but then there were new jobs created to operate the machines. Right. You know, it's like the the circle goes goes on and on. And people thought that's where AI was going to really disrupt. But it's funny because AI has disrupted knowledge workers. Yes. Customer support is being, uh, you know, maybe not quite there, but it's getting very, it's getting dangerously close to having an amazing customer support line just with AI. Right. If you listen to some of the voiceovers, like it sounds like a human. They're even like, they're even making the the robots cough, or like and sneeze, or stumble, or stutter. So it really, <laughs> heard feels, that. that's pretty good. It's, it's freaky, right? So you know, customer support. Uh, all these digital assistants are coming out through ChatGPT, or um, you know, AWS just put out a new one. I think even this week. The world is, in terms of AI, is escalating at an escalating pace. Yes just accelerating rapidly. And I think everything is going to have to have a new perspective in the next five to 10 years. I'm not going to say it's going to happen overnight. And it's hard to predict because you put an emergent technology out in the world and people use it in ways that are not anticipated. Sure. But I think we're going to find that you can do a lot of things from one centralized port. I mean, I just see like, you think about Apple, like they've acquired more AI technology companies and they do it quietly, but they've acquired more AI technology companies than any other platform out there. And eventually, you know, you think about Siri. Right. Siri is a very junior version of AI in comparison to even what's out there with ChatGPT. But what if your command center can order your food, can run your groceries, can co coordinate your calendar, can uh, answer your emails and just ask you for approval before it sends out, can you know, <laughs> send your love notes, can do whatever you wanted to do. It's just that you're going to, you're, everyone's going to have a personalized assistant. So it's hard to say exactly where it's going, but I think personalization through one tool is going to become the norm at some point in time. And so I think some of the point solutions may be gobbled up by some of the bigger players who can utilize technology to override it. Sure. So hard to say exactly, but I think a single point solution that has a really wide reach is going to become powerful in this new world. And I'm just excited to see the way it plays out. And obviously assembly is, we're pushing the boundaries of what uh, AI technology we can tap into to just, you know, use it for good. Yeah. Yeah. So as a founder, how have you thought about AI when you're you know, integrated it into assembly and what advice do you have for other founders? If they're looking at their current solutions and, and trying to figure out how AI fits into what they're currently doing. Yeah. There's a, I, I talked to a lot of companies who are trying to do AI to do all these wild things. And sometimes when it's such a foreign concept, you get a lot of pushback from people who are just like, whoa, it's going to, you know, I saw the Terminator. I know exactly how this is going to end. <laughs> right. Like it's too crazy. But if you can take AI, which is what we're trying to do, and to just speed up the things you're doing, 
Like, what if you wanted to write a note and it could just craft the note and just have you approve it? What if you want to find a document? What could have taken you, you know, you could either look in a folder and a folder and a folder or ask a manager and they can't find it. So they ask someone else and you have to wait for the response back. What if the software could just answer it instantly? What if you run a survey and you have 500 employees and you ask for open-ended answers? Like you want like real feedback, not just a one to 10 or a sliding scale or a drop down. You want like open-ended answers. Tell me your sentiment. Well, if you have 500 open-ended survey answers and someone has to read it, that is weeks. It's just hard to read hundreds and hundreds of open-ended survey answers. Like if they're a paragraph each, it's going to take you a long time. Right. Hard to retain that. How do you quantify it? You need technology to help you. Assembly now, our AI bot sits on top of the things you're already doing. And we can give you summarization, next steps, action items in a fraction of a second. We can provide you sentiment analysis what used to take days or weeks will just make you more efficient. So that's the way we're thinking about it as a first approach. What are you already doing? And how can we save you 80%, 90% and give you that time back? That's day, a really that's good thing. You, can't buy. Yeah, you just can't yeah. buy time. Yeah. And it's, it's such a, a simple sale too, because you're not you know, creating something that is so revolutionary. Nobody has ever seen it before. But it's something that they're already doing. They see the immediate benefit of, I do that right. 50 times a day right now, and you mean I don't have to do it at all anymore? That's right. That's yeah. exactly the answer. So the digital transformation is what a lot of companies are calling it. Uh, I feel like we're going to start dubbing it that just because so many companies have said it to us. But yeah, it's just like make your process better. Use AI for to be more efficient with your time. That's really smart. So where do you see the future of SaaS? Say, you know, five years, 10 years down the road. Personalization. That's that's my best. You know, I, I sit and listen to all the major players in AI, listen to their topics and fireside chats and, you know, some go off in crazy tangents. Some think about the world. You know, I listen to you know, Jack Ma talking about where AI could be and his perspective was eventually the AI will do so many of the things that we can do that, uh, you know, people will just actually start working on creative things painting and poetry and doing all these things. And it just gives you time back in the day because your assistant, your digital assistant can do a lot of the things you were doing anyways for you. That's a very, you know, very far stretch version of, I don't, utopian future down the road. But I think where it's going with SaaS is just personalization and creating a digital assistant for every individual across the board and just make whatever you're doing somehow optimize, you know, 70 to 90% of that. That's very, very That's cool. where I see it going. I like it. Well, where can people learn more about you and about Assembly online? Yeah. Uh, you can go to joinassembly.com, check out the website, book a demo, you know, get a get a trial of the platform. Uh, feel free to email me directly. My email is Jonathan, J-O-N-A-T-H-N, at joinassembly.com. Uh, add me on LinkedIn, shoot me a note. You know, I would love to chat with anyone who's interested in this topic. It's always fun for me. Outstanding. We'll make sure to link all of that in the show notes and the, the socials as well. And everybody should be thinking about employee engagement, especially as we're heading into a, a new year. And uh, what can we do to keep our employees more engaged and create that culture that uh, is just like what you said. I mean, the, the two distinct experiences where one was not great and the other was, you know, how can I bottle this and, and you know, make it like this forever? And that's that's right. what we want in our companies. I love what you're doing.
Ah, flattery gets you everywhere in this world. Thanks for the <laughs> kind words. <laughs> well, thanks for being on SAS Fuel. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks again, Jonathan, for coming on the show and sharing your insights and your journey with us. You can learn more about Jonathan at joinassembly.com. And of course, connect with him, check out his social media. He's always posting great stuff. And all links, highlights, resources, and full show notes are available at sasfuel.com. And catch video episodes, shorts, more stuff on our YouTube channel. Share the podcast with a friend. Download a few episodes for the road this holiday season. Everyone who shares this week gets an Elf Spaghetti Kit, complete with all the sweet essentials, maple syrup, chocolate syrup, marshmallows, and even some spaghetti, because everyone knows that the four main food groups are candy, candy canes, candy corn, and syrup. You know, my kids think that Elf is the best Christmas movie. What, what's yours? What do you think the best Christmas movie is? Leave it in the comments. I'd love to know. Join us Thursday on our SaaS Fuel Expert Series, where my guest is Phil Johnson, founder and CEO of the Master of Business Leadership Program. We'll be talking about the most sought-after quality in building high-performing teams. Know what it is? Well, it is the number one thing that Apple and other tech companies look for in their hiring process. And it's probably not what you think. It's going to be a great episode. And the next Tuesday, we have a super special episode, something that we have never done before, and it will definitely be worthy of a road trip, a little fun, little mayhem, crazy stories, and much, much more. So have to check that out next Thursday and Tuesday. Well, in the meantime, safe travels if you're going somewhere. Stay consistent. Happy Hanukkah. Merry Christmas. Happy Holidays. And I will see you next time. And as always, enjoy the journey. Thanks for listening to SAS Fuel. Full show notes for each episode, which includes a summary, key takeaways, quotes, and any resources mentioned, are available at sasfuel.com. Be sure to follow and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you're enjoying the content and getting value from these episodes, please leave us a rating and review at ratethispodcast.com slash sasfuel. We'll be sure to read these out on future episodes. Let's go!